children of all ages you are listening to the suds in the squared circle podcast my name is Vinny apicella and we are here today is december 26th 2022 one day removed from christmas day i want to wish everybody out there a very merry christmas and a happy new year i know i forgot to mention uh <laughs> mention that last year however um i do want to uh go ahead and uh again say merry christmas and happy new year uh, it's been a long uh, week, a long week of emotional highs and lows. Um, we do unfortunately have to report on something that really is uh, an upsetting uh, and downer as we uh, went into Christmas week. Um, back, I want to say on uh, Wednesday, Sonia Eddy, who is better known as uh, Epiphany Johnson from General Hospital, um, passed away at the age of 55. Um, apparently, it was uh, as far as I know, like early in the morning or overnight. Um, basically, from what I've heard, um, back in 2017, she did have a heart attack while on vacation. Um, and, you know, I mean, there could have been a number of uh, factors that led to it. I know she did have diabetes, so it could have been a complication from diabetes. Um, she was overweight, she was a smoker. Uh, although I think she quit smoking, I can't remember if that's the case or not, but, um, you know, it, it could have been a number of things, but either way, there's no reason to speculate. I just want to send our, uh, our thoughts and prayers out to the family, friends, and fans of Sonia Eddy. Um, I wonder how General Hospital is going to um, handle it. Uh, you know, we've never really seen, I mean, outside of, like, Alice, we know that Alice... The um, the actor actress that played Alice did pass away. Um, I want to say it was maybe 2021. However, they never uh, acknowledged it. Like they they basically just said something like she was like off screen, um, but never really acknowledged it. Um, and then also, you know, General Hospital is generally pretty good when they when they do. Um, uh, their their tributes to past, you know, characters or past members of the uh, General Hospital family that passed away. Although they didn't really do a tribute to Alan Quartermain, uh, who who was played by da- uh, Stuart Damon. Um, I wonder if there was some kind of bad blood there for some reason, uh, but they just never really recognized it. Um, so I don't know. But again, we'll see within the next month to month and a half how they're gonna um write her out of the canvas i really don't think they're gonna recast um epiphany she was a major player for over a decade um 
you know, she was very close to Sonny and Jason and, you know, and then she was in the relationship with Marshall and she's just taking her MCATs about, you know, becoming a doctor and uh, getting into, uh, you know, getting into medical school to become a doctor. So, um, last we knew in, you know, November, based on storyline, she had gone to take her MCATs. So, I, I honestly don't know whether, how that's going to, how they're going to write her off. I would assume... It has to be a you know an off-screen death, um, you know something like that because they can't just you know recast her. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it's just um, it's just sad and heartbreaking just lose someone so young. Fifty-five is really you know it is really young uh, nowadays. So again, thoughts and prayers to Sonia D. At the end of the um, one of my favorite songs from General Hospital from. You know, from YouTube is uh, her rendition of uh, You're Not Alone. Um, so um, we're going to take a break right now. And I'm going to do a tribute to um, Sonia Eddy by playing uh, You're Not Alone Anymore from the Nurses Ball. Uh, and she's singing numerous times. Um, but definitely one of my favorite songs. And I, uh, I just wanted to, uh, again, send my thoughts and prayers out. Um... To her again, I don't own any of the rights. Um, just basically playing it right off of YouTube. I'll be back. You're not alone. But you don't have to feel alone I know you're reaching up for the sky And you keep searching for that light But you don't have to search anymore We'll be the hands to hold you up We'll be the eyes to help you see We are here
guys. That was uh, that was off of the Twitter page of Genie Fans, fans of Genie Francis, of course, owned by General Hospital. None of the trademarks are mine, but that was Sonia Eddy uh, as Epiphany Johnson saying, "You're not alone." One of the, the recurring songs from General Hospital that's been on the Nurses Ball basically every single year since it returned back in the um, early 2010s. Um, and the, from what I know, the Nurses Ball is coming back again in April, so I wonder if there's going to be a nice tribute um, at that point as well. But um, really sad to see, to, to hear that, you know, uh, she passed away. So again, rest in peace. Uh, thoughts and prayers go to your family, friends, and fans. Um, back now now to get on to some uh, news of Port Charles. Obviously, last week was the week before Christmas up until Friday's Christmas episode of General Hospital, in which I have to say Friday's episode was actually really cool. Um, one, one of the better written shows that I've actually seen uh, in quite some time. The storylines were great. Um, but leading up to it, you know, um, during the week, Spencer... Uh, kind of called out his father to, you know, Nicholas um, to, you know, get back there, you know, and, and he didn't want to move back in. But he did go ahead and um, Nicholas told him that, you know, Ava, that he served Ava with divorce papers, so they were getting divorced. Spencer obviously was happy about that because, you know, um, the whole purpose was to get Spencer, uh, to get Nicholas and Ava to... Um, you know, in their marriage to break up and, and go their separate ways. However, with that said, um, you know, Nicholas also went out, went out and said, you know, no, I, I'm, you're going to be having a new baby brother or sister and saying that, you know, Elizabeth was pregnant with, you know, with his baby. And, you know, that kind of cause could potentially cause a rift between Spencer and Cam. Um, I would like. I wouldn't mind seeing Spencer go right to to uh, Elizabeth because, at the same time as Nicholas was telling Spencer that, you know, Elizabeth was pregnant. Elizabeth was telling Ava that there was no baby, that she had a miscarriage. So they kind of got to get their story straight or just come out with the truth. I mean, nothing would really. See, the only reason why Nicholas wants to hide Esme is because Esme's carrying his baby, right? Um, so he wants to take care of the baby and send Esme away. Honestly, at this point in time, it's better off for him to come clean. Of course, Esme would go to prison for her crimes and have the baby in prison, but then Nicholas would go to prison for, you know, um, unlawful imprisonment, considering he's had Esme up in that, you know, up in that tower locked away um, for the past, you know, what, four months at this point. Um you know, so he would end up going to prison too. I mean, he, obviously, Marcus Coloma has been let go from General Hospital. So, um, and he refused. He refused to, you know, to participate, to act, you know, to to do his final two scenes or his final two shooting days or whatever the case is. So, you know, there's room to write, you know, to bring in a new Nicholas and kind of write him in. I mean, if that's how they're going to do it. Um, I don't know. I, I'm at a loss as to how they're going to go ahead and do that. But, with that said, I wouldn't mind seeing um, something that effect. You know, because, lo and behold, Finn and, and, and Elizabeth weren't necessarily the best of chemistry in terms of, of relationship. You know, they 
we're starting to get around Elizabeth. Elizabeth needed to be single, and I and I get that. But as a mother, of, you know, a mother of three, single mother of three, that's hard enough as it is to make ends meet. She's a nurse, which it's a great job, you know what I mean. But it's not, um, it it's not something that's gonna, you know. I mean, she's been a nurse for years, so let's just say in a perfect world, she's getting a yearly cost of living increase. Um, Cameron's working now, so she's barely making ends meet. Um, you know, but she's got to take some time for herself. She's got to be able to say, hey, um, you know, I'm still, she's still not over Franco, right? Because she has these episodes and then all of a sudden her, you know, her memories of what she did in the past with Rako and her father's cheating and, and how, um, you know, her parents tried to brainwash it to brainwash her to forget about it, right? And all these um, memories are starting to flood back. So it's something where she needs to be able to get her her life together first before trying to share it, right, with somebody else. And, you know, Finn, I don't know. I don't, the character Finn is an enigma to me, right? Michael Easton can play a fantastic characters, and, and clearly this is what his third or fourth character, yeah, his fourth character, basically in Port Charles, um, to be honest with you, I would much rather see, um, Dr. Finn get go called away to Doctors Without Borders again, you know, and then come back as, you know, John McBain, I mean, I think that was probably his best character, um, John McBain from One Life to Live, obviously, coming over from Landview. Last we know, he went off to work for the FBI and hasn't been heard of since. Um, and that was, God, probably about 12 years ago. So, you know, because that's when General Hospital, ABC had the, you know, the lawsuit with Prospect Park. But now the Prospect Park is, you know, kind of went by the wayside. ABC got back all those intellectual property trademarks of the characters from One Life to Live and All My Children. So I, I would love to see them kind of, in, you know, bring some of those characters back. Um, because Dr. Hamilton Finn, like, I mean, granted now, he does have the family with um, Violet. He's got his brother with as Chase, and he's got his father on camp, canvas on the canvas now. So... He does have roots. It's just, I don't know. The character, I don't know. Um, he's just kind of dry, right? He doesn't have, he, he has multiple layers to him. And his layers are starting to come out, I think, with the uh, relationship with, with Elizabeth. He, you know, he's trying to kind of set the boundaries and keep the boundaries uh, when it comes to, uh, Cam and uh, when it came to Cam and Jake and Aiden and you know the whole you know not stepfather but you know just kind of you know the new adult in the relationship right you're trying to keep that together and and, and parent his daughter um, and you know he's a single father he's a doctor so I mean he's making it in the six figures I would assume um, but I just I, I just don't know what it is about that character that just doesn't sit right with me like it's almost maybe because of his voice like to me he to me his voice makes him a better cop right that that you know like a batman's type of deep voice you know um because he actually could make a, an awesome bat batman with that with that voice 
But I don't know. I would much rather see him as, as John McVeigh, but that's just me. Um, and I would like to see Elizabeth kind of find somebody that treats her right, even though Finn was treating her right, and he was giving her space. And, and But I don't think that she's ready to face that I don't think that she's ready to um, have that, you know, relationship with Finn, knowing what her father did, um, you know, with with Reiko. And the fact that she's the one that threw Reiko down the stairs. That kind of, that storyline kind of ended like a fart in church. It really did. Because, you know, build it up for so long, you know, she sees this woman and, you know... Um, we know that Jeff was a serial womanizer and, you know, she sees this woman stay away from my father and throws her down the stairs and and just like it, it went over like a fart in church. That's all I could say. It's like it, it didn't really go anywhere. Like, yeah, we saw Jeff and Carolyn for one day. We saw Jeff come back a little while longer. Um, but outside of that, it was was the end of the story like was the blow off the fact that Elizabeth is going ahead and seeing um Laura and Scotty and, and what she said on on Friday on Friday's episode and, you know I was worried about the relationship I didn't have with my actual parents but these are the parents that are you know here and Laura and Scotty have always been there for her so um, was that the blow-off? Was that the whole thing where Elizabeth is finally realizing that her biological parents didn't have her best interests in heart? And But, like, where where does it go? Like, Elizabeth blaming herself for Rako's death. Okay, she threw her down the stairs, and then because of that, she needed a blood transfusion, and that blood transfusion is what gave her the Blackwood Syndrome. And, you know, so in a roundabout way, yes, you know, Elizabeth did cause her death, but... Outside of that, no. I mean, the blood transfusion technically, and the fact that she made the choice to sleep with a rock, you know, so it's, it's a chain reaction, right? So Elizabeth can't blame herself. You want to go a step further, Jeff can, but... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Suds in the Squirt Circle podcast. I am Vinny Apicella, and through the magic of recording, I am actually recording this now, this next section, on January 4th, uh, Wednesday. So thank you. Happy New Year to everybody. And this has actually spanned a couple of weeks. It has been a long couple of weeks for me, which is why I'm recording this next part more than a week later from when the show actually started. Um, it's been a long week uh, with work-wise. Also, um, I am now a an uncle of a human baby. Um, the 22nd of December, my niece was born. So I've been helping out my sister a lot. Um, she, her being a single mother, not to give out too much uh, personal information, but I am helping her out as well as work-wise. So it just happens that I just haven't had an opportunity to record. Um, so we're going to kind of pick up, uh, last I know that I was talking about the Elizabeth situation and how... Um, Elizabeth was kind of uh, realizing that Scotty and Laura were more parents to her than her real parents. Um, and it just uh, is something that I'm happy that Elizabeth kind of realized. Uh, going forward, kind of uh, fast forwarding, we did have a whole another week of General Hospital, um, as well as another day or two 
well, another day, I should say, uh, being Tuesday the 3rd. I'm not going to go into that until next week. So I'm not going to really go into too much detail because I don't want to give out any spoilers to anybody who has not watched it yet. Um, although, if you follow Twitter, you, follow, you, you pretty much know the spoilers anyways. Uh, but I do want to uh, go into la what last week was leading up to New Year's uh, Eve and Brit's big birthday party. Um, I want to say that I really enjoy I really enjoy the scenes where a lot of different characters interact. You know, whether it's a wedding or a funeral or a court case or a party. You know, they always every so often they do have that. Like what I don't get though is after Brit left, right? After Brit left. I don't understand, or no, that, that's going into yesterday's, so we're not going to get into that yet. <laughs> um, but we see that Jocelyn is being cornered by the Port Charles hooker, which, um, you know, this is kind of the most drawn out, like, don't get me wrong, a serial killer is a serial killer, and I get that, but they have to be able to put the kills back to back to back to back, not one kill, two kill, you know, one attack, two, you know, one kill, two kills, then an attack, then another attack, and then wait like six weeks before, you know, because by then, especially in, in, in TV and soap opera world, where the time frames kind of, you know, overlap and they, they're not day by day like normal, you know, uh, lifetime, normal, normal life. It, it kind of gets to the point where uh, people forget about it, right? Like, especially in today, like, I'm all for a long-term storyline, right? I'm all for long-term storytelling. When you have, you know, going back to uh, wrestling, of course, when you have The Undertaker being put in the casket by Yokozuna at Royal Rumble in 1994, and then by November... You know, because The Undertaker goes off TV for a while. And then you have Ted DiBiase come out bringing his Undertaker and everything. And, you know, after a while, you know, you get The Undertaker scaring Yokozuna. And then by November of 94, uh, at the Survivor Series that year, you have that rematch casket match. So that, that was a long-term storytelling, right? And then The Undertaker and Kane, how they had that, that whole feud and and every Bray Wyatt the whole white rabbit thing you know really wasn't very long term but it was at least you know three months or so um but in today's society you don't have the uh attention to be able to keep that going because of weekly tv and in general hospital case it's it's daily television right you have to be able to keep it going yeah, you know, and and yeah, they kept saying, "Oh, well, we got to find the hooker. We got to find the hook. We got to find the the hook killer. We got to find you know Esme because they keep thinking it's Esme." We, as the audience, knew from the very beginning, or not necessarily the very the very beginning, but at least um, somewhat quickly, that Esme was not the poor Charles Hooker. She was being kept in you know the in the tower at Cassadine Island. So we, as the audience, knew it. So for the people in Port Charles, which, okay, great, keeping with continuity, they didn't know it was Esme. They still thought it was Esme. And as a matter of fact, you know, Spencer and Trina still thought it was Esme up until, you know, up until now. And then, you know, of course, Elizabeth blurts out, oh, well, it couldn't have been Esme because she knew that Esme was being, you know, and then, then she had to cover her tracks and even Cameron doesn't think it's Esme, you know, and Spencer said, oh, well, you know, it's like I... 
Um, I don't know if there's, you know, I don't know if she would be that much to kill and blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, it's just amazing to me how the long-term storytelling in this one just kind of ebbed and flowed and it ebbed for so long that not, it had to be a big reveal. It had to be a big reveal. This is going to be released today, Wednesday the 4th, so I have the information of who the quote-unquote hooker is, unless it's another swerve. Um, but, you know, it kind of went over like a fart in church. Um, so, and for, so for those of you who don't know, and, I, and I'll probably recap it next week when I get back to my normal Monday release dates, okay? Um, the, the poor Charles Hooker was revealed to be Heather Weber, okay? And it seems to me, and I'm going to kind of bring this up now, is that it seems to me like it was a last-minute decision, right? You know, one of those things, and we hear it in wrestling a lot, plans changed, pal, um, where uh, I, I don't even know if Allie Mills was under contract at the time when they started the killings, right? I'm not talking about on TV, but when they started filming the killing scenes with Portrait Hooker. You know, was the end game originally going to be somebody else? Was was the hooker supposed to be Esme? Was it supposed to be somebody else and they just changed their plans because Heather finally came back on the canvas? You know what I mean? So, I mean, now granted, in television time, um, in television, they could have started, the, you know, thinking they were going to have somebody come back and play and then cast them. I get that. But in order for me to have a more of a shock value that it being Heather... They shouldn't have shown Heather on TV until the reveal, right? So by having Heather in, you know, be in, in General Hospital with that flesh-eating virus, which, okay, could have been a, you know, a precursor to the toxin that she used on the end of the hook, but where would she get a toxin from, right? A snake, ven snake venom or whatever. Like, being locked in Darkham and then, you know... Getting into that, you know, accident with with Anna and the prison transport and being going going to Spring Ridge, where would she get the access to the snake venom, right? That doesn't make any sense to me, um, you know. And now that that she's you know back on the canvas, it would be different if they had said six or eight months ago, right? Back in like March, before the killings even started, if they had the idea they were going to be recasting Heather we or what well, casting or bringing back Robin Matson or recasting Heather Weber, if they had said in March or April, Heather Weber escaped from Darkham, right, um, and then going for you know forget about it, and then the killings start, and then all of a sudden you know in January they're going to reveal that Heather's the killer, right. That, to me, would have been a better setup. You know, they wanted to... It seems to me like they wanted to go ahead and put the... Uh, you know, put Heather in that role. Because I think, honestly, Heather and Ryan think that Esme's the, hook, the hooker, right? So, you know, for for uh, Heather to say, Oh, well, you know, I'm going to protect my, my little girl... Because now we know that Heather is Esme's mother, right? So, could it still be a tandem? Could it still be more than one person? Or could 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 Heather be a red hair, a red herring, right? I just feel like it would have had more of a shock value if the first time we saw Heather back on canvas was when she took off the hood, 
and took off the mask. That's in my opinion, and I apologize for any spoilers that I'm giving because I know there are a lot of people that binge watch the entire week on a Friday or Saturday. So I do apologize if there's a spoiler there, but I needed to get that out. And I'll talk more about it next week as we keep going forward. But anyways, um, we did have a lot going on in, in Port Charles last week. Um, it was not, it was actually a full week of shows. They didn't preempt General Hospital on Monday the 26th, like I, everybody, like I thought they would, but they didn't. Um, you know, clearly Sonny and Nina knowing Britt's secret, and then Liesl telling Britt that she told him. You know, it's one of those things where I'm glad that Liesl told Britt, and, you know, it, it, I, under, I agree that it's not somebody's information, but after, you know, after Britt coming through and, and uh, delivering the baby on Christmas Day, because obviously we're jumping all over the place here today, pal, so um, kind of keep up. Christmas Day, you know, the Christmas episode, which was aired on the 23rd, uh, Friday the 23rd, had... Um, Brit fixing, or had uh, Sasha fixing up the motorcycle, which nobody, it, it, we didn't know coming from any time previously up until now that Sasha knew how to uh, do anything automotive, right? I mean, Sonny comes there, sees her in, in there trying to fix it up, and then Sonny gets in to help, and it's all for Brando to get it done before the new year. I get that. That, that, that was great. That was nice. You know, Sonny had, you know, Sonny has done stuff, and most guys, most guys know a little bit about mechanical work. I don't know about fixing an engine on a motorcycle, but I don't know anything about that. I mean, I, the only time, the only thing I know about cars is that I know I've had a lot of cars um, break down on me, and I learned from those breakdowns what has to be fixed, and not necessarily how to fix it, but I have learned how to diagnose what's wrong sometimes. Um, but. You know, so Sonny and Sasha fixing that up, and then Britt getting stuck because she spun out in the storm, and then them driving the, the riding the motorcycle. Cody or was it Austin? No, it was Cody that called Britt that said, "Hey, we need your help." And and they, you know they came over, and you know Austin making the phone call to help Maxi get to Canada to fly out to go see Georgie, and you know taking the boat. Like okay. I would love to know the geography of how close Port Charles is to wherever she got to get to in Canada. Like, wouldn't a boat ride be, I mean, unless it's a speedboat, but in the middle of December, you know, Christmas time, I would think, especially up in northern New York where there's a snowstorm, there's got to be some kind of ice forming, right? Because I don't think it's an ocean. I, you know, I'm sure it's a salt water, but if it's a lake or if it's something that's just, you know, one of the Great Lakes, I would think it's starting to freeze. Um, so it's got to be slow paced. Like I'm thinking they really crunched a lot of time there, especially with, you know, and I know it's TV, but with the, you know, landing in Vancouver instead of Portland, you know, I'm glad it worked out how it did, how, um, you know, Spinelli and Georgie took the flight and got stranded. They got stranded in the Vancouver airport together. It, it all worked out. I'll, I'll, always in television that, you know what I mean? Only in television could it work out like that. In, in all reality, Maxie would have gotten to Vancouver while Spinelli and Georgie would have landed in Toronto. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, it just makes sense that... So, <clears throat> that actually makes a good question. If a plane has to do... Now, granted, they they took off in Canada, right? I don't know about 
Georgie and Spinelli, or Georgie and Spinelli, if they took off in Portland or not, but um, or thereabouts. But if you, if a plane makes an emergency landing in a foreign country, like Canada is technically a foreign country, right? Um, would you still need to have a passport in order to, you know, like go into the airport? You know what I mean? Or do you get put into a holding cell because you don't have a passport because you're not planning on being stuck in a different country? Uh, that's just how my mind works at times. Um, <clears throat> but that all worked out. And, and I'm glad. I want to see, you know, but then this week, uh, or last week, I should say, coming up to New Year's, Spinelli was nowhere to be seen. So where was Spinelli, you know, if Maxie's putting together Britt's birthday party and her and Brad are working together, where's Spinelli? Why wasn't Spinelli there, right? And I could probably understand that Britt has some bad feelings with Spinelli or whatever because of the, you know, um, uh, society setups. But, you know, it's like if Maxie's really going to be with Spinelli and that whole thing, I, I don't know. I, I, maybe it would have been awkward with Austin there and who the hell knows. I honestly don't know why Spinelli wasn't involved in that party. That's my thought. But a lot of this week's focused on Britt. You know, and then the, uh, the the actual party itself, and them having a drag queen come in and, you know, be the MC, which, okay, you know, whatever, it's 2022, or, well, 2023 now. Um, you know, let them go with that. You know, obviously, you wouldn't want to put a Chippendale-style dancer, although the, the, waiter, the waiters were all, you know, uh, topless men. I probably would have preferred topless women, but that's just me, right? Um... But, <laughs> uh, no, seriously, um, the fact that Maxie and Brad were able to pull that together while not necessarily having the best friendship, um, it, it actually worked out, right? And, you know, they've, the first thing they agreed on was the topless, you know, waiters or what, hosts or whatever, you know, and then they had the drag queen come in and then they did karaoke, um, they actually had a, a, a drink that the girls over at, um, Pier 54, uh, replicated on their this week's episode, The Bridge, uh, somewhat altered. Um, but uh, it was great. It was a great uh, scene. I like having a lot of people there. You know, Spencer and Trina showed up there so that they could be seen together as a couple to try to draw Esme out. Um, you know, uh, Liesl, um got up to sing. They didn't show the song. Uh, I'm assuming it's because they may not have gotten the rights to show the song. Like, they probably had it taped, and then they figured out, oh, well, you know, I we can't get the rights, so we can't show it. Uh, from what I heard, the song that Britt and Brad did, they got the rights um, to show that at the very last minute. So, for, that's from what I've heard from, like, Perry Shen interview or something. And, uh, you know, that was a really good... Um, performance and I don't you know I don't know who was lip syncing and who was not um uh but so I mean it was a great episode and I I really enjoyed it I'm gonna miss Brit you know obviously it's her swan song and um I don't know how they're gonna write her off uh, judging by yesterday's episode I, I'm unfortunately upset with how it looks like they might um I I don't know right I, I mean I don't know. By all intents and purposes, maybe they'll be, you know, won't be as fatal as I'm looking at right now. 
and more on that next week. <laughs> I'm going to try to keep the spoilers down. I just had to bring up the Heather Weber thing, right? Because it could have been written a lot different, a lot better, right? Um, but that's just me. That's, that's my thought and, and, and idea. Um, we're still mourning the loss of Sonya Eddy. Um, I, like I said, I, I, like you heard earlier in the episode, I did play um, You're Not Alone Anymore, um, one of her renditions, and it seems the song that she always sang at almost every nurse's ball or uh, wedding <laughs> or funeral. Um, and just a sad thing, you know. All right, so yeah, it's sad that Sonya passed away, and... and all thoughts and prayers and condolences go out to her fans, friends, and family. Again, we're still reeling from it. And it's a, and I want to see how they're going to actually write her off. Um, or write her out. You know, did she film anything saying that she got into med school and that, you know, she passed her MCATs? Um, you know what I mean? Like, I know she was in med school, but I want to see if they actually come out, out with something saying, oh, you know they find the, the, you know, whether she, she, uh, did the scenes beforehand, um, or if they, afterwards they're filming something, they notice something in her, um, in her, uh, mailbox or something saying, you know, the results or whatever. I don't know how they're going to write her off. They can't recast her. Epiphany is not somebody, you know, she's a legacy character, even though she was the only one of her family, right? She had a son that worked for Sonny at one point in time, but for the most part, uh, Epiphany was a, a legacy character on her own. She's been there since early 2000s, right? I think it was like 2003, maybe? You know, and... She was a regular for a while, contract regular, and then she dropped back down to recurring. And you know, but she was always there for the wisdom for anybody who needed that kind of wisdom, right? So with the fact that she's just um, no longer with us, how are they going to write her off? Are they going to just are they going to have her die off screen, or are they going to have her like you know go to a different hospital for medical school, or are they going to have her? you know, find a family member. I, I've heard these things, you know, I've heard these different ideas from other podcasts, so they're none of them my own. Um, but she can't be recast. Um, so if you don't want to necessarily kill her off screen, you know, there's some, there are other ideas. But my thought is, you know, maybe just use the real life. You know, I, I think I think Epiphany herself, um, like Sonia in real life, was struggling with diabetes. So, you know, it could be that she just had a major heart attack or she, she you know, she was found, passed away. Or, you know, I, I'd, hate to, I'd hate to think that they would make her a, a poor Charles Hooker victim, you know, uh, off screen, right? Just like the same thing with with killing Luke off screen, right? You know, and I and I have a feeling Luke's not dead, and I have a feeling that they're gonna have Anthony Geary come back for one more episode around the 60th anniversary. Um, but at the same time, I really um, with with Epiphany, I think that I hope that they do right by her. I hope that they give her a great send off, um, just like Days of Our Lives did with um, uh, Aniston, Mister uh, was it Jack Aniston. Um, the character that played Victor on Days of Our Lives, um, and, um, John Anderson, John, um, not Anderson, um, John Aniston, um, you know, he recently passed away, and so they 
you know, they, they did a good tribute to him this past week on one of their episodes on Days of Our Lives. And yes, I have actually been getting into more Days of Our Lives. Um, to the point where I've been watching it daily. And here's the thing. I have to point this out. First of all, if if the powers that be at ABC, Disney, decide to move General Hospital to a streaming-only service, a streaming-only show, whether it be on Hulu or Disney+, Plus, either one, it doesn't really matter, okay? If they make that decision to be streaming-exclusive, I would love it. I would like it. And I'll tell you exactly why. Because... Then you don't have to worry about preemptions. You don't have to worry about, you know, our idiot president, excuse me, our president coming on and preempting, you know, the show for, you know, however long it's going to be, right? You don't have to worry about, you know, uh, some big news story or weather story preempting it, right? You could just watch it on, on Hulu or Disney and, and you're done and you don't have to worry about it. Just like, for example, this past uh, Monday... Uh, being the second, I know, you know, based upon <laughs> the normal uh, scheme of things, I'm not really talking about this week's shows, but on the 2nd of January, there was no episode of General Hospital. It was preempted because it was the observed holiday, but it was also because of, you know, college football, right? And the people that, first of all, they could put college football on ESPN. Not many people want to see college football. Not many people want to see, you know, NBA during the week or the NCAA. I know the NCAA tournament's been on CBS for most of the existence. But still, you know, there has been some time that's on ABC and nobody really cares. Um, at least in terms of the people that watch soap operas, right? Um, and, and not to mention it's during the day. But anyways, the, the point of the matter that I'm trying to get at is... You would, if it's on a streaming-only service, you wouldn't have to worry about preemptions. You could just do your five episodes a week, and then you don't have to worry about, well, okay, this was supposed to this day, but we're going to push it off for this day in America, but Canada, you're going to get a rerun because Canada actually saw You know what I mean? Put it all on the same streaming platform, and then everybody gets to see it all over the place. You might need a VPN in other countries, but for, uh, for the most, you know what I mean? Um, so you go ahead and put it there. Days of Our Lives had a new episode on Monday. General Hospital didn't. End of story. Right? You wouldn't have to worry about preemptions. Okay. So, with that said, I do want to bring up to the point that um, I'm still getting into Days of Our Lives. There's actually a storyline going on now um, that I'm actually really interested in. The only thing I will say that's a drawback to Days of Our Lives sometimes is that sometimes they'll have like Two or three days of of the storylines going, and then they'll abruptly switch to like three different storylines, and you're kind of lost, <laughs> right? Um, so there could be a little bit better editing, in my opinion. Um, but I will say this: Wally Kurth, who plays Justin on Days of Our Lives, and Ned on D General Hospital, on both shows. He has very strong-willed wives. <laughs> we know on General Hospital, he ha his wife is Olivia. Um, uh, Olivia, um, and then on Days of Our Lives, his wife is Bonnie, and she is a strong-willed person herself, right? Um, so I, I do like the similarities, and I think that's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Even in different universes, uh, um, Wally Kurth has the best uh, lifestyle for a man and two strong-willed wives, right? <laughs> um, but anyways, so I'm actually getting into a storyline of how 
Stefan uh, Damera, who is played by Brandon Barash, who General Hospital fans know is Johnny Zagara, Zagara Johnny Zakara. Um, how Stefan Damera had was brainwashed. First of all, he was kept on ice. Okay, so he was dead, but he was cryogenically frozen, and then he was uh, brainwashed because uh, the guy. Um, I forget his first name, but last name Lee, um, wanted to marry Gabby, who was Stefan's wife, I believe, at the time of his quote-unquote death, or girlfriend um, at the time of his death. And um, also, he, she, he brainwashed, or he, he injected um, Gabby with something and brainwashed her to forget that she ever loved Stefan. And how, you know, it all had to do around the business of Demera... Enterprises, I believe, and Stefan's brother EJ was um, big. Uh, it was a proponent of this because he wanted to keep the CEO ship, where the CEO um, uh, title went from Stefan to Gabby when uh, Stefan died, and EJ wanted it, so he pulled a power move, and Stefan had to bring back his. It has a lot to do, similar to what's 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 happened in the past with ELQ, so it. All the storylines on soap operas, for the most part, are the same. Very few are very different, unless there's a lot of supernatural, like I've heard on Days of Our Lives, with, with the devil coming back in, um, in Marlena. But I do recommend, if you have an opportunity, and, and you watch Peacock, right? If you're a WWE fan, you have Peacock, um, watch Days of Our Lives. It's on every day. It's the, the new episodes put on at 6 a.m., and it begs the question that maybe General Hospital should take the same route and go directly to Hulu or Disney+. Plus. That way, you know, and, and the other thing is like, now they haven't necessarily gotten to the episodes that were done specifically for Hulu, for, for Peacock yet. Um, because it's, from what I know, Days of Our Lives is, is, is on a six-month backlog. Um... And because, I mean, they announced back in, what, November that Steve Burton signed on to Days of Our Lives. He hasn't started showing uh, showing up yet. Um, you know, they switched over to um, Peacock only back in September. So this being January, it's only been three months. So there's still three months of showings that have actually, you know, they're still we're still set for NBC before they moved to Peacock. So... We haven't gotten to the Peacock exclusive episode, so we'll see when that happens. Now, does that mean that, you know, maybe there were scenes that were shot that put in elsewhere, or scenes that were reshot that, that were put in, like, I know Days of Our Lives back last month or, or the week, month before had a threesome. The first time in daytime history, right, they had a threesome. Um, a man and two women. And, you know, it was great. I think it happened because it happens, right? It's it's a lifestyle that people do have it and you know it happens. Why can't it be on soap operas? I mean, they finally got into gay um uh gay relationships and gay marriages and you know there's there haven't been too many lesbian um mar lesbian uh relationships in General Hospital. I mean, obviously you had Brad and and Lucas and you know, Felix and that whole triangle of gay people on General Hospital. We haven't had much lesbianism except for um, Christina with her bisexual tendencies. Um, but now you, on on days, there is an actual gay married couple, uh, Will and Sonny, 
And then you have a lesbian couple, and I don't forget, I don't remember their names. I'm very sorry about that. I haven't been watching long enough. Um, but they were the ones that were involved with uh, Alex, who was part of the threesome. So it, it is something where um, Days of Our Lives is a little bit more progressive in that aspect. And I think that should General Hospital's writers become a little bit more progressive based upon... And I'm not saying... You know, there is there is obviously a transgender character on General Hospital, uh, Terry. And it's, you know, because it's actually a transgendered actor um, on the show who is fantastic, right? Cassandra James. Um, you know, but I don't necessarily know how... Like, they haven't broached the subject in terms of Terry dating Yuri, right? Have, you know, have, uh, or even Chet for that matter. Um, it seems like Terry's relationships happen basically off screen, right? Um, so I'm not exactly sure how they're going to address that situation, right? Because, I mean, in, in, in all reality, there are still people who, and I'm not going to use the word phobia because I'm don't necessarily believe phobia is the correct word, but it's people that don't agree with those lifestyles, right? And I'm not saying I'm one of them. I'm just saying that they're out there. Um, there are people. There are still people who don't agree with transgenderism. There's people that don't agree with with uh, homosexuality, and you know it's a reality. And it doesn't make them hateful. It's just they don't agree. If it, if somebody doesn't agree with your choice of lifestyle, lifestyle choice, move on. It's, you know, it's like, why waste your time trying to get somebody to see your point of view, right? People are entitled to their own opinions. Um, and I know I'm going, getting into a rant. I'm trying not to get into politics here. Um, but the fact of the matter is that I would love to see how, how GH is going to address it. Um, because it's something that happened in real life. If, you know, and maybe a different character than Yuri, right? Maybe Chet comes back from Chicago. And, you know, and Yuri and, and, and Terry break up or whatever. And they get together and Chet's going to be a uh, full-time character on the show, right? Um, well, when does Terry come out and say, you know, just to kind of let you know I was born a man. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, it's, don't you think it's something that has to happen? I, I mean, I'm going to put that out there. In daytime, I'm, you know what? If you don't listen to this show on Spotify, I recommend you go over to Spotify and listen to this because I'm going to put up a poll on this episode, episode number 14. Do you think that daytime television and their shows should address transgenderism, especially General Hospital with Terry's character, in Terry's relationship, should it address transgender transgenderism, yes or no? I'm going to put that poll up and we'll see how it goes. Anyways, moving on. Um, I'm not going to get into too much WWE news today because it's been so heavy with soap operas and with General Hospital. Um, you know, I will say that, you know, I've heard that January 2nd, um, Cody, not January 2nd, but January, uh, in the 20th, one of the days of Raw, um, Cody Rhodes is coming back. Maybe it's the 22nd. I have to check the dates here. Um, but Monday, Monday the 23rd, from what I've heard... Cody Rhodes will be returning to the WWE after his pectoral inju injury, pectoral tear into injury. So that's going to be something good to look forward to. Um, now, I made a statement on Twitter yesterday that I can't believe that I've ever said. Now, for those of you who don't know, and maybe do know, 
I'm a huge fan of the NWO. I've always, I've been a huge fan of the NWO since it started in the 90s, right? 90, 96, when Scott Hall made his way through uh, the, the audience on Nitro, and that was Memorial Day, 96. Which kind of sucks, because the way WCW filmed their shows, and, you know, especially their um, syndicated shows, like WCW Pro and whatever, I went to a WCW taping at Universal Studios in... I think it was April, either March or April of 96, but because it was a, April, because it was a six week turnaround time, the show didn't air till June. That was in the middle of when Hall and Nash invaded WCW. I was so bad. Like I saw Ric Flair on that episode of WCW Pro, um, right? I was so mad because I would have loved to have the foresight to bring a sign for the outsiders. Uh, what well, could have been, but anyways, um, I was, I've always been a huge fan of the NWO to the point where on some of my handles on, well, my handle on Discord is NWO for life. Um, but <coughs> I, I've always been an NWO fan to the point where even this year, my mother got me a, one of those Funko Pop bobblehead uh, figures or whatever of the NWO, Hogan, Hall, and Nash. And, you know, my secret Santa at work got me a, um, a hoodie with the NWO logo and Hogan Hall and Nash on the back. So, I've been a huge NWO fan. I believe now the Bloodline is a better faction than the NWO for a couple reasons. One is that it's being done the right way. It's not, you know, it, it's family and I get that. So, they're not going to keep adding more people. Unless they're family. So the addition of, you know, the Usos and Solo Sokoa makes complete sense. Sami Zayn were, had to work his ass off to be trusted to be in the family. Paul Heyman, excuse me, Paul Heyman, you know, the wise man, he helped Roman Reigns become the universal champion, right? And his advice and the fact that he's worked with the Samoans for many years... You know, he was the manager of the Simone SWAT team in WCW back in the early 90s. So that's a perfect fit. And the Simone SWAT team, Afa and Sika. No, 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 no. Not Afa. Uh, Samu and Fatu, right? Um, Roman Reigns is Samu's son. I think. No, Sika's son. Sorry. Um, so, and then the kids. Uh, the kids. Um, the Usos and Solo Skoa are Rikishi's sons. So, you know, Rikishi being Fatu, you know, so could we see Rikishi possibly come back, at a, you know, to kind of, um, you know, again, interfere in this bloodline storyline? But here's the kicker. We're also hearing about The Rock, the people's champ, possibly coming back for WrestleMania against Roman Reigns. That match doesn't need a championship, so if they're going to do that, they have to get both titles off of Reigns. I don't necessarily buy... Or I don't, I don't foresee them taking the title off of them and off of him in a conventional way, which could hurt the the rub for somebody, unless it's somebody who's already over. I don't want to see Riddle win the title. I don't want to see Seth Rollins win the title. I wouldn't mind seeing Cody Rhodes win the title, right? But Cody Rhodes needs to have that pinfall over Reigns. So I've also been hearing rumors that Reigns is going to work both nights of WrestleMania. Because, obviously, WrestleMania is now so big as two nights, right? So, I've heard that he's going to work both nights. 
He'll defend the Universal title on night one, defend the WWE Championship on night two, or vice versa. You know, so I don't know how they're going to work it, or, or where they have, like, if they have uh, whoever wins the Rumble, right? And I've heard Cody Rhodes coming back to win the Rumble, um, you know, because if you remember back in 2002, 21 years ago, Triple H came back, you know, right before the Rumble, you know, to Madison Square Garden Raw. Wended up going on to win the Rumble that year and main event WrestleMania with Chris Jericho to win the title, which again was two titles, the Undisputed Championship. Um, but that match also had Hogan and The Rock on it. That 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 card also had Hogan on The Rock right before um, uh, Jericho and Triple H. So I don't know how they're going to work it. Um, I mean, I've heard that thoughts are being pushed around. Maybe it's a ladder match, right? Maybe it's a ladder match that Reigns is involved in. And, you know, someone comes down to thwart, you know, maybe it's Kevin Owens winning. I've heard Kevin Owens against Reigns at Royal Rumble. Um, you know, so maybe they do a, a ladder match the next pay-per-view, right? And Reigns is, you know, he's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll do this, but I'm only putting up one. I'm only, because you're on Raw, I'm only putting up the WWE Championship, not the, not both titles. That way you get one off, right? And you have Cody one, Cody Rhodes were in the Rumble, Cody versus Kevin Owens, no. Um, because you would have to do Cody versus Reigns for the w, for the Universal Champion. I, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it. They booked themselves into a corner by having this freaking undisputed title and the, the, the titles being together. I don't like that. They should have never done that. Um, same thing with the tag titles. How are they going to get the tag titles off of the Usos? You know, FTR's, um, FTR's contract with AEW is coming up in April. Could we see FTR come back to the WWE to feud with the Usos? But you've got so many talented tag teams now. You've got the Street Profits. You've got the New Day, no matter how much I can't stand the New Day. But they're also not NXT. Um, Brooks and Jensen, they're going to be coming up. Uh, Pretty Dudley is, gonna, is probably going to be coming up to main roster. You've still got the Alpha Academy. You've got the, the Viking Raiders. So you've got a tag team division. Now you just got to build one of them or two of them up big enough to the point where they could actually have, besides the New Day, You've got the Street Profits, who are probably on the par with the Usos, right? Even though Montez Ford had been out for a little while. But you got to build the Viking Raiders up. you got to build uh, Alpha Academy up to the point where they're looked at as viable contenders for the Usos. Um, I've also heard, heard that possibly Solo Sokoa could be the one... Or actually, Freddie Prince Jr. put this out into the universe. I'm going to kind of echo it. It's going to be Solo Sokoa turning on the bloodline. And then he's going to, you know, go on the Rock side. The Rock is the rightful head of the table. Obviously, if the Rock comes back, we know Roman's going to win. Roman needs that rub, you know, to be the true head of the table now that he's on a uh, condensed part-time schedule. Um, so, you know, and, and we know the Rock will only come back for the one-off, maybe for leading up. He's not going to be back full-time. Um, and where does Brock Lesnar fit, Brock fit in? You know what I mean? Um, I've heard Brock versus Walter or Gunther uh, at WrestleMania, but would Brock really go after the Intercontinental Championship? I don't know. I don't know about that. But remember, Triple H is at the helm, so things could happen. Things, you know, if you want, you know, Gunther has been putting um, a lot of good, 
relevancy on the Intercontinental Championship, especially in his matches with Ricochet and and Braun Strowman. And now you got Ricochet and Braun Strowman uh, kind of having this mutual respect for each other, which is going to lead to some kind of a feud, I would assume. Um, you know, you've also got Sheamus in the mix now. And Sheamus has had a Hall of Fame career. I mean, he's also often, in my opinion, overlooked because he is somebody that you never think of as, like, the world champion caliber. But he has been fantastic in, you know, in this second wind of his career, right? You know, I mean, think about it. When he came in, he was ECW champion back in the mid-2000s, right? And then he comes through, and, and throughout 2010 to 2020, he was a part of the great tag team with Cesaro as the bar. Multiple-time tag, tag team champion. Um, reinvented himself again, and now he's with the Brawling Brutes. You know what I mean? And he's been having match, as he says, banger after banger after banger of matches. And just fantastic to the point, even with the match with Gunther at Clash of the Castle. Fantastic. And, and I like how they're doing a lot more European people going after the IC Championship. You know, it is really intercontinental. It's supposed to be North and South America. But, you know what I mean? Like, the fact that it's uh, going with a lot more European people... You know, whether it's Gunther or Sheamus or Drew McIntyre, right? Um, I, I really like that. I really like how, how Triple H is building better characters. Although I do need to talk about something that happened on SmackDown this past Friday that I'm really not happy with. Um, and, and maybe it's because I'm listening to Jim Cornette too much. <laughs> um, Bray Wyatt and LA Knight. I feel so bad for LA Knight, who is fantastic, but... He's being wasted with this whole Bray Wyatt, Uncle Howdy uh, feud thing, whatever it may be. Uncle Howdy coming in and giving the Sister Abigail to, uh, or attacking Bray Wyatt. Um, you know, and then go crossing over to Raw. And, and, and Alexa Bliss is now getting swept up again in the mind games of Bray Wyatt with that white rabbit uh, logo flashing on the screen and her going into a trance and attacking Bianca Belair and, and just losing her marbles, so to speak. I, I hope she's having fun with it. Um, but I also don't like the fact that LA Knight is embroiled with it. Like, it's not... Like, okay, I'm going to say this, and it's going to be very hypocritical of me. When I was younger, I loved the Undertaker stuff. I loved all the Supernatural stuff. And I loved the, you know, the fact that he could shoot fireballs and lightning out of his hands. And, you know, when he rose to the heavens after the 94 casket match. And, you know, they were able to put the quote-unquote view from the casket on this big screen. The Undertaker rose from the dead and, and talked. and You know, and it's like, that stuff was great when I was younger. But now that I'm an adult, I don't really like the Bray Wyatt stuff that much. You know, I don't think it really... I, I mean, I don't know if necessarily has a place in today's wrestling. Um, you know, the Bray Wyatt and the Uncle Howdy and, you know, how the supernatural is affecting the... the, the um, uh, brainwashing of Alexa Bliss and you know now LA Knight is embroiled in this thing and there's people that are attacking him and he doesn't know where they're coming from and um, you know he finally gets away from that Maximum Male Models Max Dupree crap you know and then he comes back as LA Knight who's, who's arguably one of the greatest talkers in the business and now he's saddled with this and they're going for the Royal Rumble a pitch black match what is that what is the pitch black match is it going to be dark in the arena and, you know, there's gonna, is it going to be a cinematic match like the Firefly Funhouse with, with Cena? You know what I mean? 
So I'm not entirely sure how that's going to look. I, I, I'm going to stay open-minded about it, but I again, I'm not sure how that's going to look. Um, let's see. Then we had the return of John Cena this past Friday on SmackDown to team with Kevin Owens against Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. And Kevin Owens got the picked up the victory over Sami Zayn. Um, so, you know, it, it definitely helped with the ratings-wise and it helped in general of, you know, having having Owens take up the pin instead of Cena. Um, so, we'll see where, where that whole thing goes. But I got to say, oh, big thing I've heard, too. I've heard that they're getting they're, they're starting to put the uh, put the parts into play about bringing the hurt business back together. Cedric Alexander, Shelton Benjamin, Bobby Lashley, and MVP, who were great in the uh, COVID era, you know the, the the empty arena era with the Thunderdome, um, and they were fantastic at that point in time. And you know then they broke up in January of 2022 when. You know, Bobby turned his back on them, and, um, you know, and then eventually MVP turned on Bobby, and but they've been planting the seeds, especially with MVP going to talk to Adam Pierce about Bobby Lashley last week on Raw, or a couple weeks ago on Raw, and then him talking to Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander, and Bobby's change in attitude recently. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing the, I wouldn't mind seeing Hurt Business and the Bloodline. Could you imagine that? Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin team up fine with um, with the Usos. And you have Bobby Lashley against MVP. Uh, Bobby Lashley against Roman Reigns. MVP and Paul Heyman. Um, but then leaves Solo and Sammy. You're not turning Kevin Owens heel again. Are you going to turn... Would you turn the Bloodline babyface or do you keep Roman completely out of it? And, you know, it's just Solo and the Usos against, you know, Lashley. Or, I don't know. Or, you know, because you're going to end up having the bloodline in multiple storylines. Sami Zayn is going to be in a storyline with Kevin Owens. We already know this. You know, the Usos, who are they going to be in a storyline with? Would it be, you know, Cedric and Shelton? Or would it be somebody different? You know, I, I'm honestly not too sure where they're going to go with it or how, or if they're going to go with it. So, I would just say keep an eye on the the keep an eye. You know they're making Raw and SmackDown must see TV again, and I really like that because you have to tune in whether it's on Hulu or, or or live. You have to tune in to watch to see whether you're not you're gonna get you know see the Hurt Business back together and what the Bloodline's gonna do. And all I gotta say is that I really like the direction the Triple H is taking the company. I really like the direction of. How, you know, the writing is better. And since hiring that guy for the long-term continuity storylines from Marvel, of all, from from Marvel, <laughs> I must say it again, from Marvel, um, I love it. I I'm happy with it. So anyways, I want to thank you all for listening. My name is Vinny Apicella. I am the host of Suds in the Squared Circle. Um... You can follow me on Twitter at the Apicella Suds. Follow the show on Twitter at Suds SQ Circle Pod. Follow on TikTok at Suds underscore squared underscore circle. As a matter of fact, you know what? I'm going to record 
this while I'm thinking about it. And don't mind the sound. I'm, here we go. All right. So I'm going to record this now. And this is going to be simulcast on TikTok. <laughs> All right. So thank you for watching uh, Suds in the Squared Circle podcast. Or listening, on, I should say, to the Suds in the Squared Circle podcast. My name is Vinny Apicella. You can follow me on Twitter at Suds. You can follow the show on Twitter at Suds SQ Circle Pod. Uh, follow on TikTok at Suds underscore squared underscore circle. Follow on Instagram at Suds and squared circle. Email me Vinny at, which is V-I-N-N-I-E, at sudsandsquaredcircle.com. Our website is www.sudsandsquaredcircle.com. And buy our merch, sudsquarecircle.threadless.com. Um, I hope you all have a great week. And um, we'll be back next Monday, um, which would be the 8th, 9th, the 9th, January 9th. We'll be back right here on Suds and Squared Circle Podcast. Have a great week, everybody.